Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Today, we're talking to my new friend. I've known about Todd for a long time, but we've just gotten to connect recently. Todd Fields, thanks for joining us today, man. It's good to be with you guys, Stephen. Awesome. Well, the first question I have to know is, like, with the musical talent that you have and, and, and the history that you have in songwriting, what drove you to worship first? To worship in general? Yeah, just to like be in a worship leader. Like, how did that journey start? For me, you know, I didn't, we really didn't. I mean, I grew up in the church where it was just kind of praise choruses and um, choir and orchestra and everything. And, yeah, you know, I guess late 80s, early 90s, um, I went on a mission trip with Love Europe. But they do, it's like George Verwer and Operation Mobilization. Heard Graham Kendrick um, lead okay. in Germany, in Nuremberg. And I was right out of college or about to graduate. And I wanted to be like a, a music artist. You know, I had friends mm-hmm. in Nashville and I thought that that's what I want to do. And then when I hung out with Graham, started learning some of these songs, um, just something started stirring in my heart. And uh, I decided not to move to Nashville, to stay plugged into the church. And at that time, a friend of mine, a guy who would soon become a friend of mine, Louis Giglio, moved from Texas. He and Shelly were running a ministry called Choice, came to Atlanta and um, wanted to start a ministry for single adults called 722. Yeah. And so it's like my idea of being a songwriter and a a kind of solo artist collided with the stream of what God was doing in the church and with worship and in a kind of a new thing at the time um, coming out of the Jesus movement in the sixties and seventies and all these artists started popping up in our world with passion and the whole deal. And I was just kind of in the middle of all that going. Um, I, I honestly was kind of like, God, here we go. You know, I didn't, right. totally. I didn't say it was just, it just, I just got caught up in the current of what was going on with, in the worship world and these songs started coming out and delirious and Redmond and, and, you know, it was just, I hadn't experienced that in my youth group days, but as I got out of college, it just, some of these songs started really popping up and that was what did it for me. It was kind of like, here's an opportunity for us not to be stars (laughs) right? kind of all come together um, and direct our focus and our attention and our life toward, um, the author of our faith, the creator of heaven and earth, whose son loves us like crazy and showed it. And um, I just, once I kind of got in that, I was just, that's just where I stayed, you know, for years. That's, yeah. That's amazing. So, so when you wanted to be an artist, what did that look like? Like country music, pop music? No, I actually, a friend, I was, I had a friend back then who was more of an acquaintance to another friend, Wes King. He was hanging out with Amy Grant and coming on the scene and, Wes was from Winder and you know, he, he had kind of jumped on a tour with Amy and I was like, I was at that spot where I was right out of college and starting to write my own stuff. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I went on a 
a tour bus one time with Russ Taff and his guys in Jackie Street and just had a blast going up to New York. I started meeting some people in the industry and, you know, I, I was just way into really the artistry at that point in the music industry. I feel like yeah. back then, before the worship wave happened, there were really a lot of, you know, songwriters and artists who had had a bit more freedom, like Charlie Peacock, to just explore um, creativity yep. and art in, in Christian music. And I was really drawn to that, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So how did you, like, in that early season, I, I mean, you've had, like, tremendous success as a songwriter, and we're, we'll talk about that in a minute. But in that moment when you realized, like, 722, being plugged into a local church, how did you reconcile that desire to be an artist with the the understanding of being a worship leader and and that would being what God was calling you to do? Yeah, I think you know for a while it was like these are two different tracks in my mind, you know, and I would I would record a, a pro, and I was at a big church called North Point. We had a gazillion people yeah. come in and if I did write write songs and make a record, I really didn't need a label cuz I had a, you know all these people right. that wanted to buy the music. Right. And then I did youth camps and I kind of did that circuit. So we kind of made ends meet with that kind of artist thing. But my artist albums always were a mix of worship songs and just songs that I like to write. So I was like a, it was both of those things. And it's kind of always been that for me. Um, I've always gravitated toward, you know, when I think of worship even now, and this is fast forwarding, you know, so much of it in my mind was what happens in a room corporately. But the older I got, it was like, you know, it's a lot more than just what happens in that room. Right. And and even just the power of a beautiful song and art and all that going together as worship. So I would say even now with with songs I'm writing, in a, in a sense, I feel like they're worshipful, even yeah. though they might not be corporate. So I've always kind of ridden that idea that, you know, it's both. <laughs> and yeah, right. Honestly, trying to help people right now who are in the worship, who are thinking of it like, I want to be in the worship industry, go, well, you may just, you know, <laughs> you may want to actually be great at country or you may be great right. at instrumental music. And that's that's worship. So, yeah, the older I get, I'm just trying to fan the flame of that with people who have maybe looked at it being something that we thought was this industry and songs and CCLI and going, it's way better and bigger than that. <laughs> oh yeah, no question. And yeah. you know, anytime we make worship an industry, we're probably teetering on the wrong line. You know, right? No, it's just I think we're. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, Kim Walker, who's in our worship circle team the other day, and I think a lot of us who are in that riding that wave, and you know, it went from these songs and then radio and all that stuff, and just kind of going. We like you just said at the top of this uh, podcast before we started. I think we all want to just kind of go, it's so much more and better than what we thought it was. Yeah. The idea of worship. It's not an industry. It's your life. It's every moment. God's presence with you through grief and through triumph. And it's all, that is life and that is worship. Yeah. So, so you obviously work with, and we'll talk about worship circle in a few minutes, but you work with a lot of worship leaders when you're with a worship leader and they're starting to write original music in their church. Mm-hmm. I, how do you coach them or approach them about, about writing original worship music for their church? Um, you know, I, Stephen, I'm no expert. I just, I think for me, the thing that, that I just try to encourage people in is I think when, 
you know, if somebody says, I want to write country music, they start listening to a lot of country and then they go, well, I want to write like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then if, if somebody's like, well, we want to write a successful worship corporate song, let's listen to some stuff and write like that. I think there's some merit to that. And there's a lot of things we learn form wise and content wise with studying what's been done. But I always try to move anyone, whether it's an artist or a worship writer toward you know, if it's coming from, we have to do this to, you know, finish. The, I don't know. There, it's got to come from the heart. You know, it, it sounds cheesy, but I remember Amy Grant years ago on her age to age album had a song. It's not a song till it touches your heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a song till it tears you apart. And I think um, Mike Blanton, somebody uh, helped her write that and her management team. But all I have to say is to me, it goes back to, is this real for you? And if it's not real for you, it's not real for the people who are going to be singing it. And I think sometimes, you know, even for me, I would, when I was at North point, we had a, you know, we were writing songs and I was like, man, we need to write corporate songs because this is what we do. And we have this label. And, um, you know, now as I back away from that, it's kind of more of God, I just want to be honest with you and real in what I'm doing. And I find, I've found Stephen that in this season, that connects a lot better with people than me just writing some cliche stuff. So it's like, yeah. stay away from the cliche, the expected, what's God doing in your heart that's real for you right now? And say it honestly, without fear, mm -hmm. and uh, get some artistic and helpful people around you to craft that into something that is in a, in a skin that people can connect with. And um, it can be just a beautiful thing. I love the idea of you know people writing their own songs for their church. And yeah. uh, there's something really special about that coming from that real place in that community. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I couldn't agree with your answer more. That was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about songs being real and they have to touch your heart, you've written some pretty amazing songs over the course of your career. Is there one that has ministered to you most of, of the collection? I mean, I know it's hard to choose between your children. But like, is there one song that you're like, man, that song, it's ministered to my heart. Yeah, it, it's interesting you ask that because I don't have a, a ton of quote, maybe successful songs. I've got some that have, you know, people have latched on to from time to time in different seasons. Mm -hmm. um, I just did a version of the doxology on a worship circle album a couple of years ago and that I wrote some new verses that, that seemed to resonate with people. And it resonated with me, Stephen, because I was just kind of like, I'm there's something really powerful about the old. <laughs> right. And this, like this chorus has been sung at the end of church and, and all throughout for so many years. And I just, I think I was longing for something to hang my hat on that had roots in that. And that was that, I love that. I love that. Cause it, I just love singing that. There's a song called breathe on me. I wrote with Christy and Nathan Knuckles years ago that it, it came again from a real place of um, God. You're my only hope. Um, I've got a new project that's coming out in a couple of weeks that it took me years to write and there's only seven songs on it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's all I got right now. And I don't write all the time, but um, there's a new song. There's a couple on there one called forevermore and one called whatever happens tomorrow. Um, no one's really heard them yet, but they were written through a lot of uh, unknown, a lot of Valley, a lot of grief um, in my own life, in my own journey, which I'm finding out the older I get is, what uses to form us and uh so yeah i don't have any one you know 
there's different. I'm honored to have been a part of some. I, I did a cover of the song It Is Well, the Horatio Spafford. And the funny story about that one is Matt Redman was my neighbor at the time. And I was trying to figure out this chorus that I wanted to do. And we were actually texting back and forth. I was in Arizona and I was running lyrics by him. And Matt That's actually awesome. helped me. He helped me fashion that chorus into something singable for, for the church. And when we got done, I'm like, all right, mate, what's your publishing info? And right. he's, like, <laughs> he's like, he goes, no worries, mate. That's all he said. Wow. That's and, um, so fun. I think that that taught me a lot from Matt, even in songwriting is just, um, it was just beautiful, man, just to be on this journey with so many different people and humble people and, and the gift of that. And then, um, anyway, I don't know that that's the direct answer to anyone. Those are just, those are a few of the highlights of the songs that touch my heart that I still gravitate toward. Right. Well, and that's, that's, that's important. I I mean, everyone connects to a song through their own journey, through their own story, through the, the, like you said, the triumphs and troubles that they're, they're navigating. Yeah. I, I just always love to hear those kind of stories of like the songs that were personal. Cause yeah. you know, when people write songs frequently, they're not, they don't all weigh the same. They don't all feel the same. So the ones that yeah. weigh a little more to the writer are always interesting to, yeah. to me anyway. Um, I'm not the so, guy. I'm not the guy that shows up, you know, with meetings, songwriting meetings, and I've got friends that are, and I love that. I'm the guy that I write when I'm throwing a hail mary pass, and it has, <laughs> like, it has to come out. Like, I'm getting to a point where it just comes out, and I can't yeah. stop it. You know, that's so. awesome. That is awesome. So, 2014, you and your wife decided it was time to start Worship Circle. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Worship Circle and and the the what, what is designed for? I would say, you know, just right off the bat, my wife, Carrie, you know, started sensing in her own life, just a desire for more in her faith. And, um, that journey she's been on since then has kind of led me into a lot of what worship circle has become, but we, you know, we were, we worked in the church. We know what it's like for worship leaders to be on staff and, you know, Sundays every week. And it's just, (laughs) And you're right. on a stage and you've got a production and it's like planning center and meetings and all this stuff. And I got to a place about the age of 43, I'm 53 now where God just really intersected me. Um, I was on a men's retreat in North Georgia and uh, I just heard him say, I love you. And that's it. And it, it was almost like I had been seen and known so much from a stage, but I don't know mm-hmm. that I had let a lot of people in to truly know me. So there's this false sense when we were on a platform to where, you know, we do this every week and I had kind of exchanged my relationship with God for, did we have a good service? You know, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, Lord, you must be happy because man, Sunday was awesome. And so right. I would just kind of go, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I was put on the earth here for. And, I feel like the Lord was going, man, I'm grateful that you're serving me in that way, but I want you and I want your heart and I want you to be known and healed and loved. And I, Carrie and I just had this desire um, to try to, to love and let leaders know that they're loved and not alone. That was our purpose is that uh, it doesn't matter what denomination you're in, what size of church you're in. Or if you, you know, coach little league soccer or teach in a school, you have an opportunity to be seen by God, loved by God, connected to this thing we call worship. It's so much bigger than just the stage every week. And um, so we we started it, yeah, back in 2014. And really, it's just online small group ministry where people can show up 
and really be able to kind of say, Hey, this is how I'm really doing. Yeah. <laughs> Not how yeah. my team thinks I'm doing or, or, you know, I'm struggling with this right now, or I'm afraid right now, or I don't know what's going to happen in this next season. And I just need to be seen. I need care. I need you guys to be with me. And, um, you know, Jesus, before he left, last thing he said is I'm going to be with you always. And I just, I'm just in a season where always means always. And so I feel like one of the, <laughs> one of the ways we experience his presence and his grace and his love and being seen by God is in that community. When we show up and say, Hey, here I am. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm here. And yeah. uh, would you guys like hold my hands up when I can't, would you pray for me as I'm going through this? Would you just be with me? And that's what our coaches and mentors have done now for almost nine years. And um, it's just been fun. It's a, I still, I tell people, I don't know what we're doing, but God does. And I come to it every turn <laughs> with open hands and he's just good. And um, we just love seeing him work. That's amazing. I I feel the same way about this season of ministry that I'm in is like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not responsible for like marketing and, and customer acquisition. I'm just responsible for stewardship and making yeah. sure that we show up every day and give our best, you know? So, um, as you've navigated through worship circle, it, it's, you know, a lot of things, I think, I think this is true. So correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of worship leaders, when they're trying to figure out the value of what they're doing, their identity gets attached to their performance. Yeah. Do you see that a lot in, in the worship circle? And if you do, how do you guys help kind of untangle that, that rope? That's a great question. Um, yeah. I, I, it was pretty early on in the ministry. I realized that personally I was a really good doer, right? But I was not a good beer. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to be. And just be still. Wow. And so Jesus, as we look at Jesus' life, you know, I'm kind of focused on that as we all are, but he spent a lot of time saying no to people. Um, And he spent a lot of time getting away and pulling away. And I just know personally, Stephen, I was so, and still have a tendency sometimes to, to keep the things going so much that I forget that being still and knowing that he's God is the secret and that he, that's what he wants is he wants our heart. He wants our, our quiet and the healing actually can take place in solitude. So I feel like a lot of what we're doing, even in this next term we're about to do, we're going to be focusing on some spiritual practices, which are kind of a foreign idea. Unfortunately, um, with the fast paced movement of what church has become in the high production model, we've made it. But we're just trying to say, hey, guys, um, at the end of the day, our souls weren't made for the pace at which we're living. Yeah. And um, John Eldridge has real, real, been a real big help in that as well. And there's so many voices, John Ortberg and John Mark Comer and guys that are just kind of saying, hey, you know, kind of like Dallas Willard was saying, we just got to slow down and be yeah. still. And we think that we're going to lose by doing that. But it's absolutely opposite. <laughs> Right. Like God's got your life. God's got the plans. He's got what's next for you. And he sees you in the secret and you don't have to toot your own horn. Like he made you. And the other thing with that, that's really important. That's kind of been on my heart lately, Stephen, is that we've, you know, when we're part of a big hole in a team, that's great. But sometimes we get 
to a place where we can miss the beauty of our individuality and unique gifting and calling. And I, I just love to encourage leaders listening that your, your flavor, right. <laughs> your, your voice, your, your unique story and makeup is so beautiful and valuable. You're not homogenous. You're not a worship leader. You're, you're a unique gift of God to the body of Christ. And don't get the label of, well, I'm just a blank worship leader at blank campus or blank brand. You have a name, you're beloved and your story matters. And I'm just in a spot right now where I feel like I'm fighting for that because um, it really matters. And I think there's power in us celebrating our uniqueness. And uh, instead of comparing ourselves to each other, calling out, um, the things we see in each other that are of God, that are beautiful. But man, I, I, I can't write notes fast enough, Todd. You're, you're messing me up because I'm supposed to ask questions and I'm too busy learning right now. Um, no, man, that's, that's amazing. Um, so, so as you're like helping worship leaders get into community, find a safe place, um, slow down. And what you just talked about, about slowing down was so, so powerful. You guys also do, um, do some retreats every year as part of, um, as, as part of worship circle. And I think you call them the, the rest retreats. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. And what would somebody experience if they went on a rest retreat? Man, it's a two, it's two pieces. Um, rest came about because Christy Knuckles and I had our, our first small groups. And when we got done with a year term, we're, we're all just like, Hey, retreats are fun. Let's do one. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And and in Georgia fall is just awesome. So that's when we have it. And um, hopefully one day we'll do a spring somewhere else, but it's, it's where all the members that have been online get to show up and hug each other for the first time. We don't start in person. We, we end in person. Okay. And so we start virtual, stay virtual every month we're meeting. And then finally we get to get on planes or drive or whatever, have meals together, just rest together for a couple of days and get and have me. It's just so fun. And it's awesome because on a screen, you can't tell height. So when you walk, <laughs> you're all coming up to hug each other. And some people are looking up going, man, I didn't know you were that tall. That and, is um, awesome. So that's kind of the heart of it. And now with like 10 or 11 coaches, we have, you know, a bunch of small groups coming. We have like a member lunch where it's just for members and they're, they're with their coaches. We're all in a room and we're celebrating the journey we've been on together. Um, and then we also just invite other leaders from the area around the country to fly in and join us. And uh, anybody can come. So it's a blast. Oh, man, that sounds amazing. But there's no there's. Yeah, there's no breakout sessions. There's no, there's none of that. This is all just chill. Like we don't wow. even, you know, Jeff's running sound. Jeff Sandstrom this year. It's the first time he's been, and it's probably the most technical we'll get with having a guy that actually knows what he's doing <laughs> on sound. But um, it really is pretty loose, and uh, I think that's one of the things that everybody loves about it is sometimes we'll get in there and we'll just be looking at each other like, hey, should we do something different now? And Right. It, it really just is family. And when you get that many leaders together that, that know how to sing, you know, you've been to those right. gatherings. It's just, it's transcendent. It's a powerful thing, but it's the, it's the planned retreat, but it's also pretty open-handed and, and pretty uh, laid back and organic. Well, and that's awesome. I think, I mean, our lives are so planned and programmed that going yeah. to the rest retreat and just resting sounds 
ridiculously amazing. Oh man, it's awesome. And it's fun because we'll literally sometimes before the session or that afternoon, just get some of the coaches together and like, Hey, what do you guys want to lead tonight? And where do you think God's taking it? That's and, awesome. Uh, I know we can't do that when we've got, you know, 500 or a thousand people in a room. Totally. But at a thing like this with people who know what they're doing, it's just fun to not overprogram yeah. anything. I love it. That is, that sounds like a really sweet experience. It's fun for sure. Um, Okay, so we're kind of winding up our time here, but most most of our audience is worship leaders. They they lead worship at churches every weekend around the country. We're going to put all the information about worship circle and the retreats and everything in the in the show notes. But with your experience and 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 the pastoring that you do of worship leaders, what would be your encouraging word for for our friends who are listening today and they're just a little tired, maybe discouraged, maybe it's been a tough season? How would you encourage them today? Um, I would just say, do not let fear rule your life, fear of provision, um, fear of trying to keep your stock up by performing well enough to be liked and seen and to believe is in let go and surrender to this truth that God sees you right where you are, that he sees your family and he loves you. He's got the plans for you. And you are um, ultimately responsible and in charge of your calendar. Wow. I always tell people if your life seems overwhelming or you look at your calendar, it's like we've chosen to say yes. Right. To, to what that looks like. It's, our, it's on us, you know? Yeah. And um, we have a lot of, you know, and, I mean, I'm the, I think I say all this because I, I, I was such I was so terrible at it, Stephen. Yeah. I was the guy with the cell phone. And if I got a text about the service at home with four kids and Carrie's trying to do this, I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. We've got, you know, yeah. in my world, there was never a boundary of just going, well, this is what, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just, I chose to not do that, you know? Right. So I would just say boundaries are huge. Caring for your heart and your soul are huge. Set aside your time for you care for yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, something that, that feeds you, whether it's walks in nature or your favorite hobby, or you've got to have that time. Cause, um, there's a painting a friend of mine, Tim Elmore sh shared with our staff years ago at North point called the starving baker. And it was this gaunt guy with a baker outfit on skinny, all arms coming out and he's pulling bread out of the oven. And his point was, we're so busy baking bread for people that we don't eat. Yeah. And, uh, that would be, I mean, those are, that's more than you asked for, but my heart oh, is such so because I, because I lived it that I wanted my stock to stay up. So I would, whether it's writing or saying yes to leading here or there or whatever people ask me to do, I never said no, you know? Right. No. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> and so sure. now, now I'm in a season where I'm kind of getting, gotten to a point after just a lot of years where I'm able just to say, God, that's not what that's a good thing, but I can't say yes to it because I don't have enough time left. Yeah, man, that's so good. And my wife does a lot of uh, work helping coach people through kind of the season that they're in and what the, you know, discerning maybe a little bit what the Holy Spirit's telling them. And one of the things that I love that she says, when you talked about boundaries, the only person who's ever offended by you setting boundaries is the person who offends your boundaries. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. 
So uh, I think you're so right. It's so important to to set those and take care of your soul. Todd, thank you for what you're doing in in the global church worship community. Thanks for pouring into the to the leaders the way you do. And thanks for being with us today and, and just talking us through things. You bet, Stephen. It's an honor to be with you guys. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. Man, Todd Fields, that guy is such, he's such a pastor. He has such a pastor's heart. I hope you felt that through through um, our conversation today. Some of the things that he said that I just really felt like um, resonated with me, and I hope they resonated with you too, is when it comes to worship, is it really, is it the real you that's showing up or is it an imitation of somebody else? And it's so important that you, the real you shows up and delivers what God's put on your heart every week. And I also love the importance of learning how to how to just be and the power of saying no like Jesus. I'd never thought about the fact that Jesus said no a lot. I think we all are in seasons and stages and organizations that require a lot of yeses from us. And sometimes there's ridiculous power in just saying no. So I hope you found that today as well. If this podcast means anything to you, or if you learned anything, I would love it if you would share it with just one person. Um, the team at MXU and myself, we would, we're just overblown by the fact that you would even listen to this podcast. And if you were willing to share it, it would mean the world to us. If you do, make sure you tag us on uh, social media and help us share with other worship leaders what God's doing in this little community. So hope you had a great great time listening today and make sure you tune in next week when we meet with another amazing worship leader and talk about what we are all going through in this journey.